We're in Colossians, and uh, we're looking at the prayer in, uh, between verses uh, 10 and 12, 10 through 12, of Paul's prayer for the people of Colossians. And just to recap for last week, um, what was happening in the Colossian church is that they were being attacked, left and right, right? Their theology was being attacked, and it was a precursor to the Gnostic movement, which we still see today. Um, but they were being attacked, and their, their uh, theology was, was being infiltrated by what sounds good to human minds, right? And, in uh, Colossians 2, uh, 23, we read that Paul said, These matters which we have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgences. So the things that were attacking the church had the appearance of wisdom. They had appearance of religious things, right? They had the appearance of being godly, but in reality they were taking away and they were adding to the scriptures. They were taking away from it the deity of Christ and adding things that they needed to do. And um, I was actually reading an article today um, that Pope Francis of the Catholic Church, I don't know if you've read this, he's appointed 13, um, what do they call them? Not deacon, cardinals. cardinals, right? And if you look at all the cardinals, um, he's appointed them based on one of them is all about some social immigration thing. The other one is, is trying to, to bring in the gay community into the church um, and is an advocate for that and written papers on it. Another one is all religions need to fall under one and he's an outreaching to the Muslim religion about how you know they might be worshiping the same God. And it's just to see the church and, and that's obviously we know that the Catholic Church was infiltrated by um, good works and legalism a long time ago, right? And, uh, and they took away, and they, the, the gospel's still there at the root of it, but it's so muddled with what do they call it? Like a mysticisms, where you're just, you're kind of, you know, you have these saints and these people that help you, and you have your Saint Jude, and your Saint this, and your Saint that, and you're, you're, you also have not only the real saints, but you have all these other saints, right? You have Santa Muerta, you have all these other saints that they worship too, um, as a part of that, that are almost like, they're interesting. If you really start studying these, they're, they're not the real saints. They're the knockoff saints that a lot of the Catholics worship. I mean, they do things to human sacrifices to them, the, the drug cartels. This is part of our work. We have to learn all of these other ones um, to be on the lookout for them. Um, but it's interesting um, to see that that you know, has been infiltrated. And, and what we talked about last week is our church is even being bombarded, right? I had read an article a couple weeks ago about um, how this school would only hire Christian teachers who only believed that the Bible was true and they would preach or teach against lesbian. They, they weren't a part of the LGBT, uh, G, whatever it is, movement. Um, there's a few other letters in there somewhere. But uh, basically the whole article was, I can't believe that these people have set themselves back 20 years to all this movement that we've made and all this acceptance in society and they're still believing that God doesn't accept you know, our new marriage and our new picture of what God should be. And this, it's very prevalent. And so last week, that's what Paul was trying to combat, is the church being attacked in Colossians. And last week, we looked at the knowledge of his will, right? And there was a lot of good discussion last week, and I, I hope that that continues this week, because uh, your guys' input <laughs> is, is awesome, um, and I definitely need it. But So we looked at the knowledge of his will. And that's what Paul was praying for them, is, is to gain the knowledge of his will. And this week I want to look at the last half of uh, the first part of that prayer, is what are the results of that? What is the purpose? What do we, if we're going to go and we're going to seek out the knowledge of God's will, 
through Scripture, and we looked at a lot of different Scripture of what that is, how we attain it, how we, how we seek it, how we desire it. But if we're going to gain all of that, what is that going to look like in our lives, right? Because you all know people who know the Bible inside and out, and when they walk away from it, they just live wherever they want, right? We see that a lot for people who've grown up in the church and they backslide. The prodigal son um, is one of the stories where he, you know, it, it kind of depicts that, where, where you grow up in the church, you know the word, but you walk away. And so tonight, I want to look at verses 11 and 12 and just what does that look like when we gain the knowledge of his will. So let's read the first part of his prayer. What's the chapter? It's chapter 1, Colossians 1, and it's actually verses 9 uh, through 12. We're going to look at 10 through 12, but I'm going to start in verse 9. He says, For this reason also, since the day we have heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. So, the first part is the gaining the knowledge of his will. And now I want to look at verses 10. It starts out with so that, right? So that is what Paul uses a lot, right? He, he makes a statement and then he says, okay, this, for this reason, it results in this, so that. And these are the results. This is the results of the purpose of why we seek um, after the knowledge of his will. And the first part is you walk so that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. And that's uh, just the first part of verse 10. And so one of the results of us seeking the knowledge and actually not just seeking it, but living it out, living out the knowledge of God's will is that we would become pleasing to God, right? Um, and the walk that he's talking about isn't like a physical walk. It's more of a spiritual, your, your day-to-day life. Is, and everyone knows that because it's used a lot in the Bible, your spiritual walk, your Christian walk, your Christian life. It's how, how we conduct ourselves on a daily basis. Um, and this is a, report, or a result of our minds being controlled by godly knowledge. Right? When our, God, our, godly, our minds are being controlled by God and by His will, um, we become pleasing to Him. Right? And so I want to turn to Ephesians 3. 14 to 17 as we're turning there. There's a couple books to the left. So one of the things I want to look at is how do we become pleasing to God? So we want to walk in the knowledge of the will of God. Well, how do we do that? Do we just one day say, you know what, I'm going to do God's will and I'm going to use my own strength to do it? Right? We already read in the beginning part that it says uh, in verse 9, it says, filled, filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we already have the Holy Spirit in there. So now we're going to continue with that. And in Ephesians 3, 14 to 17, it says this. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in the inner man. So that, so this is what the result of uh, strengthened with his power through the Holy Spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted 
and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is in the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So I read a few more verses there. Um, but it's through the Holy Spirit that we work or walk, right? We can't do it in our own strength. We can't please God in our own strength. We can try, but that's when it becomes legalism, right? We set all these rules that we want to do, and in trying to please God, we're, making, we're lifting ourselves up and look at what I can do. Look how good I can do things. And what God is saying is that, or what the Bible is saying is that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit is how we can glorify God, right? And trusting in Him. And how do we know the Holy Spirit? How do we know all of these things? It's by allowing our minds to be controlled by the knowledge of His will. It goes hand in hand with studying and getting God's knowledge and then walking it out. And this Holy Spirit will remind you of those different things. Um, And so this walk in a manner worthy of God um, is not... Walking in a manner worthy of God is not anything new in the Bible, right? Paul says it several times. He said it in 1 Thessalonians, and we're in Ephesians right there. So if you look over in Ephesians 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. So walking and pleasing God, right? That walk was like, you know, what we talked about. It's uh, our daily life, our conduct everything that we do in the, during the day, um, pleasing God, that's, that's integral to being a Christian, is actually walking it out. Knowing the knowledge, knowing His will does nothing for us, right? It really doesn't until we put it into action. You can, even the demons know Jesus, right? You hear that all the time. Satan knows who Jesus is. The demons know who Jesus is, but they don't. So if we think we know who Jesus is and that's going to get us to heaven... No, we need to act on it in a sense of we need to give our life to Jesus, right? When, it, when, when we receive Jesus' grace, it takes action. On our part, kind of. Kind of an action, right? It says if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, we will be saved, right? We need to confess with our mouth and we need to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. And that's where salvation comes from, right? And then we learn to walk in, in a manner worthy um, to which we have been called. So... While we're in Ephesians, I want to look at a couple of things. And what does this walk look like, right? So I could say, go walk in a manner worthy of God and be pleasing to God, right? And we can all say that and we can say, yeah, that's biblical. But I have a hard time with those things because as a Christian growing up in the church, people would say things like that. And I would walk away and I would say, well, what does that look like? What does that look like in my life, right? What does that look like? And it sounds great, but I want to know what it looks like. I want to know how to live it out. And in Ephesians, Paul answers that. And it's kind of showing a, uh, uh, almost a black and white. He's contrasting here. In Ephesians 4, um, we're going to start in verse 17. I don't want to read it all. 17 through 32. What he's saying is he's giving us a contrast. He's saying this is how you used to walk. This is how you walk. Right? And he says this. Um, and I'll read bits here and there and I'll stop and comment on it. So Ephesians 4, verse 17 says this, So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensualities for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Right? 
So that's how we used to walk as unbelievers. That's how the world walks all around us. And that's the, the mindset that's trying to infiltrate the church daily, right? And we need to know who we are and we need to practice our walk. Otherwise, we can be deceived um, very quickly. And we talked about that last week where there's a huge push on the prosperity gospel. And it's making very shallow Christians because they're only focusing on the little bits and pieces of what can they get in their physical life out of the gospel instead of really diving into who Jesus is and to who God is. And so as soon as a little bit of adversity comes, they fall away. Right? And so we really want to look at that. So at just who God is and what our walk should look like. So that's the Gentiles. That's how we used to walk. And then in verse 20, he says this. But did you not learn Christ in, or, but you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, Speak truth to one, to each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your angry, anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather must labor, performing in his own hands what is good, so that we will have something to share with the one who is in need. Right? Let no unwholesome word come from your mouth but only such word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will be grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So they, it shows a contrast. Right? We used to live in this way, now we live in this way. How many times do we see that around us? Right? How many times have you guys been approached by somebody who they know you're a Christian and they come up to you and say, okay, you're a Christian. Well, that person says they go to church and then they start talking about all the bad things they did. How many, I won't even ask by raise of hands, but I know it's all happened to us, right? Is that pleasing to God and bringing glory to God when people act unbecoming of a Christian? Right? So, our actions speak, right? You've heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. And it's true. And we see that with kids, right? I can tell my kids, do this, and if I don't do it, they're not going to do it. <laughs> they might when I'm standing over them, telling them to do it. But as soon as I walk away, what are they going to do? They're going to do what I do. And that's just life. That's, that's how we operate as, as people. Um, and that's something we really need to watch is that we want to walk in a way that's in a manner that's worthy to God, right? And we want to walk in a manner that is bringing glory to God because people are watching us at all times. They're watching every step that we take, right? Um, and so that's, I think all of us know what it looks like to walk with God and what it doesn't. Uh, some other verses that I'm, I'm not going to go into in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, at the beginning of that chapter, it says we walk in humility. Um, in 2 Corinthians, it walk by faith. Um, we walk different than the world. And so there's a lot of verses. And as we study the Bible, we learn those things of how are we supposed to walk, right? How are we supposed to act? Um, 
there's all kinds of things. I mean, things that are popping in my head are just the way that Jesus walked and, and the things that he would, he would say. And that, you know, in, in John 4, he talks about doing the will of the Father is his food. You know, and then can we walk that way, right? You have the Proverbs 30. Is it Proverbs 30, woman? Right? That's, you know. That's about the woman. That is about the woman. But that's a way to walk, right? And then there's a, a whole bunch more about men in there and all of us, right? And we're all held accountable, right, to everything. But God gives us what it looks like to walk godly. And we have to sit there and, I guess, almost fight the world on it, right? Because the way that we say we walk, the world is going to tell us it's wrong, right? Now we're being labeled. If you're a Christian, you're being labeled as a radical if you truly follow the Bible, right? And they're trying to lump you in with all these things that you're... Uh, a homophobe is one of the words, a racist, all these other things that they try to label Christians. Unfortunately, some of the Christians have gone out there and, and uh, walked in a manner that's not becoming of God, right? Um, and that kind of feeds to it, but a majority of Christians that are following Jesus, they're still going to be labeled that way. But we need to do everything that we do in love, as God says, right? We need to speak, um, as it said in Ephesians 4 here, we need to be edifying, right? Speak... What does it say? Because I always uh, end up... Um, let, in verse 29, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edifying according to the need of the moment. Right? So that it will be graced to, to those who hear. Does that mean telling someone they're wrong is wrong? No. That's what they might need in that moment. Right? But to go and try to beat people up for all the things they did 15 years ago even though they've given their life to Jesus and they're trying to walk for him, that's not right, right? So we need to learn edifying. And how do we know how to do that? It's by walking through the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will guide us on that. So that's the first part. The first thing that I wanted to go over is, is we are pleasing to God um, when we, we walk in the knowledge of his will, when we walk with God. And the second part of 10, it says this. It says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So the second part is we are fruitful. We are bearing good fruit in every good work, right? What does fruit look like? What do you think fruit? What's that? Souls. That's one aspect, right? Is souls. We win fruit. We win people. What are other aspects of fruit? The things we do. Like what? Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, right? Yeah. It's, it, those are fruits of the Spirit. Um, what else? What do you think? Teaching them. Teaching them. Teaching. That is part of it. What about glorifying God? Is that a fruit of the Spirit? Of the, the upwelling of the Spirit inside of us? That we are glorifying God? That we praise Him? Right? There's... The fruit of the Spirit is walking with God, and it's all of these things. We see it as souls. We see it as fruits of the Spirit in our actions, our words, our behaviors, right? We see it in our ability to glorify God. Um, and there's, there's all kinds of different things, but I want to focus on just a couple. Um, first, I want to turn to Matthew 7, just to show how important fruit is. And this is from Jesus speaking. Matthew 7, verse 15. And it says this, 
Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. And so as we gain in the knowledge of God's will and we put that into action, something we're naturally going to see is fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see fruit in other people's lives, right? And a lot of times the fruit of other people is because they've been watching us and they see that other, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. They see the fruits of, of us worshiping God and praising God in every moment, right? They see us go through hardships and yet we still have the joy of God with us, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? And we'll look at the fruit. I, we'll read that, the fruits of the Holy Spirit here in a second. But um, we, as we walk with God, as we get closer to Him, as we get more and more knowledge of what He wants us to do, and then we put that into action, it's just a natural byproduct. It's a natural byproduct of righteous living, of living with God, um, because it's not through our power, right? That we become fruitful, right? It's only through the Holy Spirit that we become fruitful. And so as we walk in that, we become fruitful. In Galatians 5.22, which is back near Colossians. 5.22? Yeah, 5.22 and 23. Galatians 5. You're beginning to look like Eki. I know, I go all over. We all need to get tabs in our Bible, because this morning I was trying to flip around and I was... It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Mm -hmm. Right? And so those are the things that we want to see in our lives. Those are the things when you meet someone and talk to them, usually you can tell where their walk is with God pretty quick. Right? Because you can only fake it so much. Just like we said in... in, in uh, in Matthew, right? We read in Matthew that you can tell a tree by its fruit, right? So people can try, but their fruit's going to be shown really quick. And for me, I love seeing the fruit in a sense of it helps me know where to talk to people, how to talk to them, what to, to speak to them, right? So when I, because people might come to me and they know that I'm person who follows Jesus and so they're going to put on their good face right because believe it or not in law enforcement there are a lot of pastor's kids in that profession it's really strange I've met more pastor's kids there in the work that I do than anywhere else and it's because of that shepherding heart honestly but that's a different thing but they'll come to me and they'll say yeah this and this and this and then and they'll be talking right and I'll be talking to them I'm like oh that's amazing you know I've never met you before blah 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 and then all of a sudden they swear and I'm like okay maybe they just have a bad habit and then they start talking about this and they start talking about that and within usually a couple days of working with them I know I know where they stand and so I might I might switch to you know hey let's walk as a Christian to hey let's talk about salvation Right? Because I want to see, I don't know where they stand, but even if they're, they are saved, right, and they've slid away, they still need the, the message of repentance and not the message of let's, let's grow closer and study the word. They need a different message, right? Because you don't go to 
a non-believer and start preaching them to like what I'm talking about. The fruit of the Spirit is this. Well, what is the fruit of the Spirit and why do I want it? I'm just trying to make it day to day, right? We preach repentance to them. We preach the gospel to them, telling them, hey, do you know that Jesus wants to live with you? Do you know that God wants to rescue your soul and that you're in death, right? And you go to John 3.16, Romans 3.23, 6.23. We start using those verses that show them where they're at with God, and we try to get them in the right standing with God, whether they've fallen away or whether they're not a believer. Um, and for me, that's what I look for is I look for this fruit in people, and that helps me know where to go with them if I'm trying to lead them. Um, and so we only recognize it by the Holy Spirit, right? Because we know what that fruit looks like because the Holy Spirit has given that to us. Um, and another great passage that I'm not going to go over because I don't want to go too long from it is you can write it down, Second Peter 1, 5 through 8. And it's, it talks about how to become fruitful. If you want to become fruitful, um, it's about disciplined living. Um, maybe I will read it because it's such a good passage. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> maybe this will be three weeks. First Peter one five through eight. <laughs> what did you say? First Peter one, uh, verses five through eight, and we won't talk about it much, but I'll just read it. It says this. Um, let me make sure I'm reading the right one. Okay. We who are protected by the power of God through faith. For his salvation ready to be revealed in this last time in this you are you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while if necessary you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested by fire may be found the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ and though you have not seen him you love him and though you do not see him now you believe in him you greatly rejoice with the joy. This is not going where I wanted to go. It's Second Peter. Sorry, Second Peter 1. I was like, wait, this isn't going where I wanted to go. <laughs> I do that a lot. It's a good one, but that's not where I want to go. Okay, Second Peter 1, 5 through 8. That will not be the last time I do that, by the way. Now, for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supplying moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it builds, right? And knowledge is in there and godly living and taking these things and putting them into action and seeing the fruits of the Holy Spirit, self-control, right? Love, perseverance, all comes from the Holy Spirit. And as we abound and we grow in these things, fruitfulness is just a natural byproduct of that. So we don't need to really struggle to be fruitful. We just need to struggle to understand the knowledge of God's will and to live it out. And then these are byproducts of understanding that. Right is that we will increase in fruitfulness. So let's turn back to Colossians now. And the next part is increasing in the knowledge of God. Right after that, so it starts out, it says, uh, strength, uh, let's see, I'm going to start in verse 10. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, I thought we already talked about that last week, right? We talked about increasing in the knowledge of God, right? This is a little bit different. We talked about increasing in the knowledge of His will. Um, 
so increasing in the knowledge of God is a little bit different in that we're increasing in our spirituality and our walk with Him, in our knowledge of who God is. We learned who His will is, and we learned what He wants us to do, that He wants us to get saved. He wants us to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to do all these things, and we're learning to walk this out. Now, we're learning in the knowledge of who God is, and that's a little bit different. I mean, you can't separate the two, but we're now going to start, as we start walking in it, as we start seeing it, um, we're going to grow spiritually and increase in our knowledge of God, which is amazing, right? This Bible contains a lot of knowledge of God, but we talked about it last week. It's only a drop in the bucket of who God is, not even probably a drop, probably a drop in the ocean, um, because God is amazing, and it's going to take a long time to get to know who He is, if not eternity, um, but we get to spend that with Him. So we are, how do we know we are growing spiritually? And that's what kind of what I wanted to look at with this is, okay, we're gaining in the knowledge of God. How do we know we're gaining that knowledge? What does that look like in our lives to gain in that knowledge? The first thing that we, we can see is that we start having a longing for His Word. We start having a longing for who God is. That's not a humanly natural thing to do is long for God. That longing is given to us by God, right? We see that in Jeremiah um, is it Jeremiah 19 or 29? 29-11. 29-11. It is because in the end of it, he says, uh, no. I'm trying to remember, sorry. I had it in my mind and I didn't put it on my notes. But basically, when we seek God, it's because God is, has seeked us first, right? If we seek Him, He's seeking us first. And He's seeking us out. Um, and he's seeking out, so it's in John 4, right? Let's, let me turn to John 4. Let me read it because uh, it's in that whole, the, the, uh, where Jesus meets with the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan. Um, and this is probably one of my favorite verses or just concepts is, let me find it right there. It is there as well? Yeah. Okay. Right after verse 11, right? Yeah. So it says, you want to read it for me? They will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your hearts. I will be found of you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes greater uh, and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So that's a great promise that if we seek God, He said we will be found by Him, right? But And and so that's part of it, is that if we seek Him, He's faithful, that we will find Him. But in John 4, 23, it says this, but an hour, is, this is Jesus speaking, but an hour is coming, and is now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is seeking us out to worship Him in spirit and truth. He's speaking, uh, seeking us to worship who He is. Not just like uh, was mentioned this morning, how Paul walked into you know, one of the cities and, and there was a, a temple to the unknown God, right? We don't worship an unknown God. We worship a God that we know a little bit about. We know enough about to know who He is and how we're supposed to walk with Him and who who He's made us to be, right? And the world is telling us we can be whoever we want to be. <coughs> you start reading the Bible, and God's very specific on who we are, 
who he created us to be, what he created us to do, right? All the way from the beginning, that he gave us dominion over the, the earth, right? That we're supposed to rule over the earth, right? That we're supposed to be man and woman and, and married one man, one woman, right? And we're supposed to be man and woman, not whatever we want to be, right? There's a lot of things in the Bible, and those are just in the beginning few verses of the Bible. All through it is who we are in Christ, who we are now that we're Christians, who we were before. It's a lot about who we are. And as we increase in that knowledge, we start to grow spiritually. Um, and we are, no, we are growing um, because we have a longing, like I said, a longing for the Word. For the word in First Peter two two it says this, and I'll just read it. Like newborn babies, long for pure milk, long for the pure milk of the word, so that it, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So as we long for it, as we grow, we start longing for the word, and it's, it's through the Bible um, and other verses. But that's one of the signs that we're growing spiritually. The second one is we start to put it into practice. Um, so we've trained our senses. We, we learn and therefore train our senses to discern good and evil, right? We start saying, okay, this is right and this is wrong. We start putting what we learn into practice because when you just learn it and then walk away, it just doesn't work, right? It, it talks about that in, in various parts of the Bible about a dog returning to its vomit, right? As that picture, when we hear the word, we, we see it and then we walk away and we keep doing the bad things. And then we, okay, I'm going to repent. And then we keep doing the bad things. And it's about putting it into action. And we see that when we start seeing our life change. When we start the ability to start putting things into action. That's part of spiritual growth, right? We've seen that in our own lives, right? And it's always amazing when we have a new person coming to the church that really starts giving their lives to God. Because it's leaps and bounds. You see it go from, it's black and white, right? You see, you see a person walking this way. And then they come back and all of a sudden their life is different right you can see it in their face you can see it in their words you can see it in their actions you can see it in everything and that's what happens when the holy spirit seals our, us with salvation and we start growing him in him spiritually and it's pretty amazing to watch and as christians if you've been a christian a long time it's harder right you don't see that too much in your own life but every time you see a new christian come in and really start growing it revives inside of you i don't know if that happens to you maybe it's just me but I see, I see people like I see Clark. When I see him revive, he's like, you know, this is, it's like a kid on Christmas morning. <laughs> it's okay, right? As I see him, is that joy. And I'm like, oh man, I need that more and more and more in my life, right? It's convicting, right? I don't know, maybe it's just me. But I start to desire that and I start to see that and it helps me grow. And then as we, we keep going, um, we see more and more and more of that. Um, and the last part is we start to keep his commands, which is very, putting it into practice and keeping his commands is very, very similar. But I want to read 1 John 2, 3 through 5. It says this, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. And that's 1 John 2, verses 3 through 5. So as we start to walk in the knowledge of the will of God, first, right, we start to see um, that we become pleasing to God, that we are fruitful for God, and that we start growing spiritually. 
And the second part, or the fourth part, there's only five points, so we're, we're going pretty good tonight. So we're in a second verse tonight, so that's a good one. We're in verse 11. <laughs> um, so let's read verse 11. So this is also a byproduct of, of getting to know God and, and seeking after His will, is that we become strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Strengthened with all power. Strengthened means continually strengthened, not just a one-time boost. The strengthen that's used here uh, is a continuous boost, I guess is the best way to put it. It's not just a one-time, okay, all of a sudden I have strength. You know, like when someone gets in a vehicle accident, you hear of these stories of, of someone coming up and they're able to lift a car with, you know, basically adrenaline and superhuman one-time strength. They couldn't do it again. That's not what it's talking about here. This is talking about a strength like an endurance runner right? They've built up that strength and they have a strengthening that's continuing, right? It's always there. They have to continue to practice, but it's always there um, with all power, right? And so we are being continually strengthened with all power throughout our Christian life, right? And now we're going to look at the, the rest, the part. So what power is he talking about, right? He says strengthened with all power. Okay, I'm continually strengthened with all power, but what power is he talking about? He's talking about a power according to his glorious might, right and that's a limitless power to god's glorious might that's according to his power is what it's saying um and it's glorious refers to a manifestation of god's attributes um whereas you know the might is a strength in action so it's god's glorious attributes in action right and that's what the the his glorious might means so this whole verse has to, these, this concept has to be kept together. It's not strengthened with all power. It's strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So if you reworded it a little bit, it should be continually strengthened with God's limitless power through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? So that through God manifests his power through us through the Holy Spirit. We know that throughout the Bible uh, of him talking about that. Um, and so, and, and one of the ways we know that is in Acts 1. Right before Jesus uh, ascended. Acts 1, verses 6 through 8. It says this. So, when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? So they still didn't quite get it. They thought he was going to reign here physically forever. Right? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So that power that they were receiving was the Holy Spirit, right? And we're still living in that age waiting for his second coming. And so we're still being... Uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and that's where we get our strength and God promises that we have that strength and we can see that in our lives because a lot of things that we do we can't do it on our own strength if you've ever tried to live the Christian life on your own strength <laughs> you know it's daunting and it's tiresome and it wears you out right when you're trying to be good and you're trying to do this and you're trying to do that it wears on you right um I was a part of a church before where I was growing in the Holy Spirit, but it was, it was, I loved the church, but it was very focused on you need to be a leader and you need to do this and that. And so me and my wife had just gotten married. We had Josiah. 
And so we had to go to a group, we had to lead a group, and that's both of us, so that's four nights, because one of us had to watch the kids. And then I was a leader on Sunday mornings, and it was like five, six days a week. I was going, 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 going. And it wasn't through the power of the Holy Spirit, because I was doing things not to please God. I was doing things to please man, because I wanted to please the pastor. Right? I wanted to please who, what he was doing. Yeah, I learned a lot through that time. I definitely learned that I cannot do this without my own strength because I was worn out. Right? I also had my own business, which I was working 70, 80, 90 hours a week. It was just constant go, 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 go. And uh, us moving to Texas was one of the best things for our marriage because it went from that much to just we don't have any friends. We don't have anybody. I can only work 50 hours a week. <laughs> It was awesome. It was amazing. It's just what we needed, right? Not that we were in a bad place before, my wife and I, but it's what we needed. Um, and then we really started finding the joy back in serving Christ when we took these, this legalistic view off of our lives. And that's where I'm very cautious about legalism. Um, but that spiritual strength that we gain is of God, right? So me and my wife are pretty busy now, but it's not daunting. Some weeks it is, but it's not, it's not overwhelming, right? Because we know that we have the Holy Spirit strengthening us, right? So me speaking up here, you guys, a lot of you knew me in high school. I was really shy, really quiet. I didn't talk to anybody. I hated public speaking. I joined speech class in high school. I've shared this with the teens. My first debate, I was like, I need to learn how to speak. So that we went to some, it was in Fullerton. We went to some debate. And they had a debate, and it was on abortion. I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. But I was so afraid to speak, I didn't speak at all in the thing. And it was like one of those things where you had to get up and speak, and they, the, the person was keeping track. And then they called me out. Hey, you haven't spoken yet. You're the only one in the room. I'm like, well, I didn't do it, right? I'm an idiot. What can I say? So, <laughs> but that's, that's who I am as far as I've always been very shy. But God has called me to something that I'm not comfortable with. But he gives me the strength to speak, right? And so I've been very thankful for that. But that's where I'm thankful that I know that this is of God, that he's called me to speak. Not to really preach too much. I mean, this is about the biggest size that I will do. Um, but just that I love trusting in God, and I love seeing what he can do with lives. And if he can do it with my life, he can do it with anybody in here. I'll guarantee you that. Because um, I was, I'm still struggling on the public speaking, but I was definitely horrible. Like, really bad. Um, but anyway, so we get strength from the Holy Spirit as we walk. As we grow in Him, that's one of the things we start to see. When we're gaining in the knowledge of His will, when we're actually walking in His will and not our own will, we start to see that strength of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, and it's going to look a little different for everybody else, everybody, but that's the great thing about God, right? The strength might be through different things, and it looks different in people's lives. Some people can just amazingly just do a, a lot of stuff right they can just keep busy you look at my dad i don't know how he does it he is a busy man right you you go to his house on a friday you're like oh he has friday off he works from sun up to sun sundown might take a couple hour break for lunch and that's it and me i'll work half a day with him i'm worn out i'm like oh man taking that right he has got a strength that, that that i just don't understand i can't get um but so strength is going to look different in everyone's life, and the Holy Spirit's going to strengthen us. Um, and so another thing I want to look at is Ephesians three sixteen about the power of the Holy Spirit.
it says this. And this is Paul talking about the Holy Spirit. And he does this many times in his letters. And I have quite a few other references about the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'm I'm only going to read this one. It says this. For this reason, this is Ephesians 3.16. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in the inner man. Right? So he's strengthened in the inner man. And that's what he's praying Uh, for the church is that they would be strengthened with the Holy Spirit and not their own power because when we're strengthened with our own power it's going to fail but when we have that limitless power right that continuous strength with God's limitless power right when we have that we can do anything and you look at all the stories in the Old Testament I love them Gideon um, Job all these people who were well let's see I'm trying to think of other ones there's a lot of them Moses didn't want to speak in public, right? Um, there's all these things. God used the worst of the worst, the least of the least. Not the worst of the worst, but the ones who they could never say, you know what, it was me because I'm a natural-born leader. The only one who might have been a natural-born leader was Saul, right? And look how miserably he fell because he was the <laughs> tallest above everybody, right? He had good looks. People followed him. But all of these other people, Gideon, um, I love that story. He was the least of the least and they just keep going down the line showing how unworthy he is to be a leader and yet he saves Israel or God saves Israel through him Uh, alright so let's finish verse let me get back to here so we'll go on to the next one so verse um, 11 that was strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously um, so one thing that I'll bring up now is joyously so in my Bible it almost looks like joyously should be attached to verse 12 right so it says uh, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the Father so I was I, I did a little research on it and trying to figure out okay which one does it go does it go to this one goes to this one and half and half say either way right one says well joyously giving thanks why is he being redundant there and the others say well no it's joyously enduring trials but if you really look at it it doesn't matter which one it attaches to it's still a part of his prayer that we were joyously doing all of this so I even asked Pastor Ecke and, and and basically that was his same thing is you know what it doesn't matter exactly where it's at um, because it still has the same concept Right, um, that either way there's a joy that comes from the knowledge of his will either way that's one of the byproducts um, and that's even in the midst of trial right because we're talking when he's talking about for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience um, he's talking about that in trials right steadfastness and patience are closely related almost the same thing steadfastness is patience in circumstances Right? Where patience is patience with people, if you look at the Greek word. So steadfastness is the way it was translated. That's like in circumstances, whether it be job or whether it be different things, circumstances we're in. Whereas patience is actual with people. Right? So it's all patience. He's, he's trying to encompass everything here. Not just a little bit of patience, but impatience in both. Um, and so I think Paul is probably one of our best examples. Um, because he was in prison, right? And you guys all know the story in Acts 16, right? So I'm going to read it just because if I try to tell stories, I mess them up. So Acts 16, verse 22, it starts out with this. The crowd rose up together against them, 
and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And this is talking about Paul, right? When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and every chains were unfastened. When the jailers awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out in a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself for we are all here. And he called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So even though Paul was beaten, even though he was, he was uh, his circumstances, right, were pretty, pretty dire, he still had that steadfastness, right? People were being pretty mean to him, but he still had that patience and that he was going to praise God joyously. And, and, uh, and that didn't come from himself, right? That came from the Holy Spirit, um, and just knowing that he was walking in the knowledge of God's will at that time and we also see the second part of his prayer here right we see the fruit <laughs> the fruit and him just acting in that him just being patient him just being steadfast right they saw also the fruitfulness of the jailer getting saved and they go hand in hand only reason Paul was doing this is he was doing it for the gospel for the knowledge of of who God was and who he had saved him from. Paul talks about it so many times. He was the worst of the worst, right? He was the one holding the ro- ro- all the robes, right, when Stephen was stoned. Paul had all of these things that God had saved him from. And that was the knowledge that he was joyously praising God even in the midst of trials, right, and eventually was killed um, for that. Um, so other things Paul writes, he, Paul's about the, he writes about the trials, that trials bring hope right and uh, I don't want to read I've got quite a few more verses but I won't read them but uh, so we joyously endure trials and these are all results of knowing God's will and walking them out right and so my whole purpose with this lesson is just we're in a time that's nothing new under the sun but this is our time under the sun right and we're trying to figure out how to walk, how to, how to live as Christians in today's society, right? It's still not as bad as it was in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. That was pretty bad, right? But it's getting there, right? It's getting pretty bad. And how, how are we going to walk it out, right? Lot was able to kind of live in that, that society, but how are we going to live now? Um, and that's what my whole encouragement from this prayer is, is that as we study and we dive into the knowledge of God and of His will, it's going to give us strength to live in a world that is corrupt, right? And at every moment, every turn, we're being faced with it. And so if we're not knowledgeable about the Word, we can be deceived pretty easy, pretty quick, right? And we've all seen it. We've all seen people walk different ways, right? And we see people staunchly running the opposite way of God, thinking they're following God, right? You have people who follow all kinds of religions, all kinds of mysticism, all kinds of Gnostic ideas, right? 
all kinds of things that look good on the outside. They look like they're wise. And most of them will say, well, the gospel's too simple. It's too foolish, right? But when you start really digging into it, the gospel is amazing, the grace that we have. We can't earn salvation. And uh, just knowing who God is will help us stay on that straight and narrow path. So that's kind of the encouragement. And, and another thing is that as we grow in knowledge and we grow in who God is and our lives start being transformed, the fruit of that is that our church is going to start to grow, right? That's just a natural byproduct. Um, someone said to me this morning, um, they kind of pulled me aside. They said, hey, I'm really bummed that the church isn't growing. What do we need to do to grow the church? And this is someone that we're, I'm not even sure is saved because he's just started coming to church. He's got a lot of questions. He'll even admit he's not sure if he's saved. But his thing was, why is the church, you know, why are we not growing? We got a new pastor. We got a new thing. You know this. And my only thing to him was we're just growing in the knowledge of God. And we need to continue to pray and fight through the battles. And I think our church is growing. It was just something that he was faced with this morning because we were a little bit down in numbers this morning. I'm not sure why, but I don't get phased by that, right? Personally, I just want to see God grow. And sometimes, too, just like a tree, you have to prune the tree sometimes before it starts growing and bearing fruit. And we may be going through a pruning phase, too. Yeah. Don't be saved. Just continue to grow. Yeah. So we just need to continue yeah. to pray because God has His will. You know, God's put us in a good place in this church. So our youth is, is thriving. <laughs> which is amazing, but we want to see them get saved, honestly, because a majority of our youth probably are not saved is where we're at. And so we're starting to go back to just the gospel and we're trying to fight the lies um, that the world is trying to, trying to uh, tear them down. There's lots of different fruits of the Spirit. If you don't have a fruit of the Spirit, then you... You mean like, so if I naturally am not joyous, I just put it on as a fake face type of thing and try to tell people about it? Or? Well, if I don't have this, the fruit of the spirit of long-suffering or patience, can I project that as a Christian to other people? If I have not yet received it, or I don't think I have it. I don't... I would imagine that if you're following God, you're going to have some type of patience and long-suffering. Even if you don't think you have it, you probably have a little more than the person next to you who doesn't have Christ, right? But as far as teaching, not everyone is called to teach, right? It says that, uh, I was just reading it today. I'm trying to remember. I kind of jumped all over the Bible this afternoon just reading. But it talks about, you know, not all of us should be teachers because we're going to be held to a higher account, Right? And when we're trying to teach something, like if I teach this about the fruits of the Holy Spirit and then I go out and I just live any way I want to do it, God's going to hold me to an account, right? And that's a scary thing to be held to a higher account. Um, so as far as teaching something that you haven't attained, obviously I mean, we can teach because I'm not perfect and I haven't figured out the knowledge of the will of God in my life 100%. I'm seeking after it. I think if you can see yourself growing in it, then you can always teach someone else in it because there are people who are always seeking after that, right? Um, but that's something you would have to examine in your own heart with the Holy Spirit to say, am I ready to start teaching this, right? So I couldn't go 
and start teaching salvation if I wasn't saved. I mean, people do. There are people who aren't Christians who get up and preach, right? It says in, in, in uh, the Gospels that some will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name? Have I not done miracles? And Jesus will say, get away from me, depart from me, for I never knew you, right? People are going to do things in his name. Um, so that's something I would say that is going to be personal between you and God. Just praying about that. Any other questions, comments? All right. Well, let's pray.